For those in command of all of our senses, we rarely consider how we would handle losing sight, hearing, or speech and still achieve and navigate through life. An estimated 12 million adults age 40 and older experience vision impairment, with 1 in 8, about 30 million, have hearing loss in both ears. Greetings again. I'm Adam Morgan. Author Connie Briscoe totally lost her hearing by age 30, which also can have an indirect effect on speech. Yet she became a New York Times bestselling author. She speaks with her writing. Because she did develop speech and is an expert lips reader, we were able to interview her regarding her acclaimed work, Sisters and Lovers, and her spirit to overcome challenges to succeed, which we all can learn from. I was not deaf when I was a child. I only lost my hearing when I became an adult. I was in my late 20s. Yeah. Well, I was born with a mild hearing loss, um, Mm -hmm. but just a very mild one, and I was able to cope Mm -hmm. uh, without an interpreter, without a hearing aid, for, say, almost the first 30 years of my life. Mm -hmm. So um, I'm familiar with speech, and even now I have some hearing. I don't pick out the sounds. I can't Mm -hmm. discriminate the sounds, but, like, I can hear your voice. I just Mm -hmm. can't pick out the sounds. But um, hearing speech and, and, and words and the language mm-hmm. is a lot like learning to ride a bike. Once you hear it, you never forget it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what comes out uh, in the novel. A lot of people are often surprised because the dialogue is, seems so natural, and mm-hmm. they wonder, and some of the sounds that come yeah. out in the book, they wonder, how did she know that? Yeah. And it's because I wasn't born deaf, I, so I know what the language sounds like. Mm-hmm. But you can still um, relate to Miss America and the controversy uh, with her saying, should she sign or should she speak? Uh, I, you, you speak and you sign, you just do it all. So it doesn't matter, does it? Right, not to me. I think that it, it's a really big controversy, and sometimes it's a very heated debate in the mm-hmm. deaf community. And sometimes I don't like to even get into it. But this has been going ongoing debate in the deaf community. And to me, I mean, while I understand what deaf people are saying, because speech is very hard for them. If they were born deaf, especially the ones who have never heard speech, mm-hmm. it's very hard for them to learn to speak. Mm-hmm. So I understand it from that angle. But on the other hand, I think that when they refuse to ever even try to learn to speak, mm-hmm. that they're cutting themselves off from a lot of opportunities they would have if they yeah. would learn just you know, uh, to speak well enough so that people mm-hmm. would understand them. I think that with um, communication being such a difficult issue for hearing people, for deaf people, I'm sorry, that any way you can speak, sign, uh, oral, however, using gestures, whatever should be accepted. I don't think there should be a controversy uh, about mm-hmm. how you do it, but you, that you do it, you mm-hmm. know. Is it the more active elements of the deaf community Uh, trying to make sure the rest of us respect the multimodal or various forms of communication and signing because most hearing people, a lot of them, are intolerant. And they just want to deal with people that have vocal ability. I think that has a lot to do with why 
the deaf community is so uh, defensive Mm -hmm. about uh, using sign language, but it's much more complicated than that. Mm -hmm. You could spend, I spent four years at Gallaudet University, and that was when Mm -hmm. I became uh, involved in the controversy between using sign language and using voice. Then there's a controversy about what kind of sign language to use because there's more than one kind of sign language. Mm -hmm. There's American sign language, language, which is different from signing in English, and then there's pigeon sign, all all these different (laughs) kinds of signs. So you could spend years just learning about what all the arguments are and what all the different signs are to the arguments. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of difficult to get into that in a brief interview, but um, I think that that is a big part of it. I think the basics is that there's this core deaf community mm-hmm. of people who have been mainly deaf all their lives and they mainly associate only with other deaf people. And they're the ones who have very strong feelings mm-hmm. about American Sign Language being the language of the deaf and mm-hmm. the only language of the deaf. Yeah. But then you have all these other people outside the community, like myself, who were not born into that deaf community, mm-hmm. who maybe lost their hearing later in life, or they may have been born deaf but they had hearing parents mm-hmm. who mainstreamed them yeah. into regular society. But it's that core group that is really uh, the most uh, insistent on using sign language. Mm-hmm. Are you accepted by that core group, though? It is very hard to yeah. be accepted by that group, oh. and it's understandable. I mean, if it, it's, it's almost a culture. It's mm-hmm. not just a language. It's a yeah. culture, yeah. and you can no more be expected to be accepted into it than, say, a Hispanic person would be ex- expected to be accepted into the black culture. Mm-hmm. You can. You have to be born into it. You can be accepted into it if you marry into it. Mm-hmm. If you marry a person who has always been into that community and you become fluent in American Sign Language, mm-hmm. then they may accept you. You can be friends with them, you can work with them, but to be accepted into that core community, Mm -hmm. you really almost have to be either born into it or marry Mm -hmm. into it, the way you would into any other culture. Mm -hmm. So writing is something you've had a long interest in then? Oh, a very long interest in too. Um, I've had a very long interest in writing. Um, I will say that I think that losing my hearing had a lot to do with uh, motivating me to actually get started writing. Mm -hmm. I had wanted to write for years, but like a lot of people, I just kept putting it off Mm -hmm. for various (laughs) reasons. Everything gets in the way. You always find excuses. Mm -hmm. I did try to start writing a mystery several years ago because I've always liked to read mysteries. Mm -hmm. But reading them and writing them is two different things. And writing a mystery is in some ways harder, at least it was for me, because with a mystery, you have to plan all the clues. And then then in the end, all the clues have to fall in place. Mm -hmm. So that didn't work out. And I put it aside and concentrated on my career, which was going well at that time. Mm -hmm. But then I started losing my hearing. Mm And I uh, stopped making progress in my career. I had just switched over into editing, into into the publishing field, and I stopped making progress. I stopped moving up because Mm -hmm. I lost my hearing. I was having trouble in meetings and having trouble on the phone. Mm -hmm. And so I was trying to think what I could do where my deafness wouldn't Mm -hmm. affect me. And that was when the writing, the idea to start writing again uh, came back up. Okay, so you've always been in publishing and... So this is uh, writing is just a natural outgrowth. No, I came out of college and I did a number of things. Okay. Then I went into research, believe Mm -hmm. it or not. Mm. I worked as a research analyst. Okay. But okay, a research analyst in 
and well, banking? I was or... doing research for the Department of Defense, a contractor for the Department uh-huh. of Defense. I, I, I and their I... statistics and all that kind of thing. <laughs> um, and I was able to do enough to get by, but um, I think I didn't think of writing as a career when I was younger because, because when I was uh, going through college and thinking about uh, mm-hmm. career alternatives, there were very few black writers. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't think of it as a career option, certainly as an option where you could earn a living at mm-hmm. it. Yeah. I knew you could write, but then you'd also be doing something else, and the writing was on the side. It was mm-hmm. just not something I was taught that black people did to earn a living. Mm-hmm. So uh, even though the urge was there, I concentrated on you know the more traditional type of career. But um, then when I was working in research and the contractor had some problems, and things were really sh- uh, shook up badly, <laughs> and I left there. Yeah. And um, that was when I thought, well, maybe I ought to get into publishing. Mm-hmm. I've always wanted to work in the publishing field, and mm-hmm. I took a job starting as an editorial assistant yeah. and was working my way up when I started losing my hearing. Mm-hmm. Just when you made the change. <clears throat> it's sort of unfair that you finally got there. Sisters and Lovers. Drawn from experience, drawn from friends, drawn from family, correct? Yeah, it's really based on uh, things that happened to me, based on women that I've known, um, some Mm -hmm. friends of mine. And what it really is, is I was trying to think of what to write. And I thought, Mm -hmm. well, you know, they always say, write about what you know best. Mm-hmm. And so I started thinking, uh, because I was I was married very briefly for mm-hmm. about a year. Yeah. So I've spent all these years as a single woman <laughs> dating. That's, <laughs> That's why the commentary <laughs> on the lovers. Okay. <laughs> I had all this. Uh, interesting experiences out there dating. And when mm-hmm. I think back, that's what I think about because that's mm-hmm. what most of my life has been. And I also had a lot of interesting stories from friends of mine, co-workers that people had told me <laughs> over the years. Oh, yeah. And, you know, they're funny when you look back on them. They're not funny when it's happening, but mm-hmm. when you look back on it, it's funny. Mm-hmm. And I began to see certain patterns um, mm-hmm. with uh, the problems that a lot of women were having with the men that they were meeting. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was why I ended up with the three sisters because I wanted to show the different patterns. It, mm-hmm. At first, I was just going to have one main character, mm-hmm. but I realized it would seem strange trying to put all these different patterns and relationship types into one character. So then I thought, well, maybe I'll have two and then three and then four, <laughs> and then I came back down to three. <laughs> <laughs> What's the main point you want people to take away with uh, with with the complex nature of interpersonal relationships? especially in the settings in which you have in the book? Uh, probably that no matter how difficult things seem, um, no matter how, how hard it may seem to find the right person and make a relationship work, that you can, um, if, you, if you keep working at it, if you work hard enough, that you can find uh, eventually the right person. It hasn't happened to me, <laughs> but <laughs> I'm optimistic. I haven't given up on it, and I think that comes through in the book. Do, do, you, uh, do you really find the right person, or do you find an individual that you can build a friendship with and from the friendship you well, build I think with a Beverly, love relationship? 
I think with Beverly, that's what I was trying to show. She's the youngest of the sister. She's 29, about mm-hmm. to turn 30. Right. She's worried about her biological clock ticking away. And she goes through a number of experiences with different men mm-hmm. trying to find the perfect person, which a lot of women go through, myself included. And at some point uh, with Beverly, she has to realize that you're not going to find the perfect person. Mm-hmm. Or rather, with Beverly... She has to, I don't, I hate to say she has to lower her standards, but she has to make her standards. That's, that's standards <laughs> thing. More realistic. <laughs> well, I don't want to say lower, right, but these, she has to make them more realistic or yeah. be willing to spend some time alone until you find that perfect person. And that's the, time, the point I was trying to make with Beverly. Yeah, I, 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 I guess a lot of the novels that women writers write are always having to grasp this conflict of standards versus reality. Now, men, they don't write about standards. You know, now it's not that we don't have any, but it seems as if I don't know where women get that from. But you know, these are the standards we have to have, and as a result, no one meets them. You have a conflict, and everybody sits around saying men are no good. <laughs> you know, they don't work out. What's the problem here? Well, I think it's some of these why, standards. You know, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to have more than one character because mm-hmm. I think that when there are problems, it can be for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it's the fault of the man. Sometimes it's the fault of the man. Sometimes it's uh, on the part of both parties. And I was trying to show that um, it's not always the man's fault, because that's what I believe, although I I also believe that there are a lot of times when it is the man's fault. Mm -hmm. So you have some sisters where... um, it's more the sister who needs to make the change. And then in other mm-hmm. relationships, like with Charmaine, uh, it's it, the men she's picking. It's definitely the men with Charmaine. Um, mm-hmm. That was why I decided to use more than one sister, because there are a variety of reasons as to why relationships may not work. And I was trying to show some of the different scenarios that could mm-hmm. come up with the three sisters. Uh, as to your point about men not writing, men generally write about different things than women write about. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Men generally don't write about relationships. They usually just complain about <laughs> They're women. <a> few. <laughs> <laughs> they just Not very often. <laughs> they, they write science fiction and mysteries and a lot of uh-huh. nonfiction. And I really wish that men would write more about relationships so we could get their viewpoints and what they see um, mm-hmm. are the problems. Um, but that is what I was trying to do with Sisters and Lovers. It's not only the men who have problems in the book. Uh, the sisters have problems, too, but they work through the problems. We thank hearing-challenged author Connie Briscoe for being our guest on this edition. The author of nine books, she remains a shining role model for overcome challenges to succeed for all of us. I'm Adam Morgan. Do keep in touch. Mask up and keep your distance when going out. Grab that vaccine for better health and more freedom. And we do appreciate you sharing a few moments of your weekend with us.